Thank you for waking them up. The things that we repeat in worship each and every week without fail, perhaps those are the things we ought to remember. You know them. You know them by heart. You're loved. You're forgiven. So be at peace. Do justice. Show mercy. Walk humbly with your God. Every week we say these things. Also, every week we say these things, and you say it with us. You've already said it today. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Every single week, that ought to tell us something. It was Peter who asked Jesus how many times he had to forgive someone that had wounded him. Peter suggested that seven times seemed like an awful lot, and he sounded willing to consider that overwhelming grace only be only to be met with the most classic of Jesus' response ever. Peter, why don't you try 70 times seven? In other words, there's no end to the need for forgiveness. It also implies our great capacity for something that often feels impossible. One consistency I'm finding in many of these conventional wisdoms is no one really knows from whence they came. Who makes up these pithy sayings that latch on and attach as cultural mantras? Who keeps repeating them and keeping them alive? Let it not be us. Forgive and forget? Really? That's the best we can do to help people move on and get over? That's all we've got in the face of great pain or disappointment? Forgive and forget? Something so trite as to gloss over anything that is real and deep that might need to intervene and interface with forgiveness? First of all, let me suggest that we don't ever move on or get over. We move through. We get across. And sometimes just a simple adjustment in our language is a big help. Small, simple word changes can make all the difference. I have totally eradicated getting over something from my vocabulary. The implications in that simple and often used phrase are dismissive and damaging. The goal is to get through, which acknowledges the messiness and ickiness of what it means to be alive and to be human. Too often we're encouraged to stick our heads in the sand or turn a blind eye or stuff our woundedness down in the deep places where we don't have to deal with the difficult things of this life. We get through this life with honesty and truth-telling. And if we're going to learn to admit the messiness and ickiness with honesty and truth-telling, it is going to be imperative that we learn to offer and receive forgiveness. And to live in that kind of space of being oh so real will mean that we cannot, we must not forget. 
three places in the Bible immediately popped into my mind that could be interpreted to imply that the holy text supports the whole forgive and forget notion. The psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, God removes our transgressions from us, implying that our past wrongs are forgotten. Then in that most famous of chapters we've come to know as love, in his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul makes a list telling, not brides and grooms as we often only hear these words at weddings, but rather he's telling the church what love is and what love is not. In his list of what love is not, he says, love keeps no record of wrongs, implying that in order for love to, love to blossom, perhaps we do need to forget past grievances. And the last most obvious verse that came to my mind comes from my favorite, one of my favorite books of the Bible in one of my favorite passages from the Bible, and I've relied on it many times in my life. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus, implying that any forward movement requires a forgetful spirit. But then I turn to the preacher of Ecclesiastes, who's helping to guide us through this summer with his blunt, realistic manner that can sound a bit predeterministic. Whatever has come to be has already been named, and it is known what human beings are. For who knows what is good for mortals while they live the days, the few days of their vain life, which shall pass like a shadow. For the preacher, teacher who is Ecclesiastes, time is irrelevant, at least in any kind of linear fashion. What has happened in the past is a part of our present. And while we cannot know the future, we know that whatever it will hold has already been named when we arrive there. Implying that any sense of forgetting really isn't an option. All is a part of life, the good, the bad, the bitter, the sweet, the joys, the sorrows, the affirmations, and the wounded places. Let us not forget any of it. It is the very fabric that makes us who we are. What we remember informs who we are. The truth is, I couldn't decide which way to go with this sermon. Thank you. That means you've been here the last two times I've preached. If you go back and listen to my last two sermons, there's a solid good paragraph in there that starts that way. It could easily be a social justice sermon about the trauma of asking people to forget. Marjorie Thompson is a writer and spiritual director who reminded me that to forgive is not necessarily to forget. Perhaps, she says, for small indignities that prick our pride, we can simply excuse and forget. 
but for major assaults that leave us gasping with psychic pain, reeling with the sting of rejection, bowing under the weight of oppressive constraint, or aching with personal loss and grief, we will find ourselves unable either to excuse or to forget. It would be but another expression of our arrogance, she says. Another expression of arrogance for those of us with European roots to ask Native Americans or African Americans under the guise of forgiveness to forget the way they and their ancestors have been treated by the cultural majority in this country. She says, I understand why our Jewish friends insist that we never forget the horrors of the Holocaust. There are brutalities against body, mind, and spirit that must not be forgotten if we are to avoid replaying them. I'll never forget attending and participating in Kristallnacht, the night of broken glass at Temple Israel some years ago. The date is honored and remembered every year on the night of November the 9th. The year was 1938. 83 years of remembering one night and never forgetting when German Nazis attacked Jewish persons and their property. The name Kristallnacht refers to the litter of broken glass left in the streets after these violent attacks. The violence continued during the day of November the 10th and in some places the acts of violence continued for several days play out any number of instances where the minority group, the underserved, the exploited ones, the ridiculed, the traumatized, the neglected, the rejected, the underprivileged, the stereotyped, the forgotten, the voiceless, the oppressed, have wanted to, needed to tell their story, and we who have been the majority, the privileged, the advantaged, the overserved, the affirmed, simply by our race, our color, or our creed, have wanted folks to move on and let's just celebrate how far we've come. Shame on us for wanting to move so quickly into places that feel more comfortable for us when the wounded ones are clearly telling us they want to tell their story again and be heard. Forgive and forget? Never. We must never forget these stories. We must always be a part of the retelling of them. But I think I'm not going to go down that social justice road today. I can tell you we need to be the space that is receptive for the pain of people's stories. And we need to consider what kinds of reparations we might make for the wounded places in people's lives that are sometimes generations in the making. But since I decided not to take the social justice road today, I want to take the pastoral road. And yes, I'm already doing it for the next sermons. I referenced earlier an article by Marjorie Thompson entitled Moving Toward Forgiveness. She begins her essay much like Paul with a few things that forgiveness is and a few things that forgiveness is not. 
Forgiveness, she says, is not certain things with which we often confuse it. Forgiving does not mean denying our hurt. Forgiveness is a possibility only when we acknowledge the negative impact of a person's actions and attitudes on our lives. To forgive, she says, is to not excuse unjust behavior. There are evil and destructive behaviors which are inherently inexcusable. And finally, she says, to forgive is not necessarily to forget. But rather, to forgive is to make a conscious choice to release the person who has wounded us from the sentence of our judgment, however justified that judgment might be. Forgiveness represents a choice to leave behind a resentment and desire for retribution, however fair such punishment might seem. It is in this sense that one may speak of forgetting. Not that the actual wound is ever forgotten, but that its power to hold us trapped in a continual replay of the event is broken. Because every time we remember with that sense of judgment and retribution, we are caught in the trap. And resentment breeds with each remembrance. She finishes by saying, forgiveness constitutes a decision to call forth and rebuild that love which is only which is the only authentic ground of any human relationship and that kind of love is the ground on which our relationship is built with God to forgive she says is to participate in the mystery of God's love if you have ever said or felt i will never forgive that, then you probably never will. If you decide up front, I will not forgive that, you probably never will. There must be an openness toward forgiveness in order for forgiveness to take place. There was a popular book in the 80s entitled with today's aphorism, Forgive and Forget. And Lewis Smeeds writes, we might try to move beyond the hate by tolerating the situation, smothering any conflict, excusing the person involved, or trying to forget. But he argues that none of these alternatives should be mistaken for forgiveness. The test of forgiving, he says, lies with healing the lingering pain of the past, not with forgetting that the past ever happened. I read a lot about forgiveness this week from all kinds of places, from theologians to psychiatrists and psychologists. I pulled this and that because people were saying such smart things. So let me share a couple of more smart things that other people have said. The fact is, 
that the notion of forgive and forget has been misused to the point that it has actually hindered relationships and reconciliation. On the surface, it implies that to forgive is to say that the wrong inflicted was not that bad. It's all okay. Let's just move on and forget about it. But try telling that to the woman in the Sudan who's just been raped and forced to watch her son be killed in front of another person, in front of her. Tell that to the spouse who's just found out about their partner's infidelity again and who doesn't know whether or not they can go on living in relationship together. And tell that to the races of people all across the world who've been oppressed for hundreds of years and who need to, to try telling them that they just need to be patient and things will eventually change. To forgive and to forget is to deny the reality of the wrongdoing. And that actually gives evil a power it does not have on its own. Forgiveness is not about forgetting in the sense that I've just described. Forgiveness names the wrongdoing to let go of it. The thrust of forgiveness is the letting go of it. That's why you have to name the wrongdoing, and to name the wrongdoing, you must remember it. The reconciling of relationships through forgiveness must contain an element of remembering. Otherwise, it's not true forgiveness. It's denial. Desmond Tutu, in his book, No Future Without Forgiveness, says, Forgiving is not forgetting. It's actually remembering. Remembering and not using your right to hit back. It's a second chance for a new beginning. And the remembering part is particularly important, he says, especially if you don't want to repeat what happened. I'm talking about all this like it's easy. It's not. It's some of the hardest work we will ever do is to learn to forgive. Forgiveness and the remembrance of wrongs committed must be central if we are to avoid the mistakes of history. This is true whether it be in your home, in the boardroom, or in the halls of political power. So I hope that you will let go of forgive and forget. And I hope that you will take on forgive and remember for every single time you remember, there is a chance for the healing power of forgiveness to wash over you again. Forgive and remember. May it be so. Amen.